Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Today we're actually starting a brand new series called Relationships. Um, we may or may not have the slides. It's okay either way. I can handle it. Um, and so it's called uh, Relationships, Getting Past, Playing, Pretend. And so we're going to look at a number of, of issues that affect all of our relationships. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about community, or excuse me, communication. Uh, next week, Dale will be sharing about kingdom community. We'll be talking about sexuality, honor, and money in the, in the weeks following that. And so the question we're going to be asking is, how do we apply the, the principle of Christ-like love to each of these areas. Um, and so I don't know if any of you are like me, but in middle school, I read a book called The Tale of Two Cities. Anybody else read The Tale of Two Cities? Yes. All right. So in that book, uh, this is a spoiler. Can, it's, it's a spoiler for a book written in the 1800s. So if you've not read it, just close your ears for a moment. Um, so in this book, there's these two guys, Sidney and Charles. And Sidney and Charles have this uncanny situation where they look exactly like one another. All right, and so not only do they really like one or look like one another, they both like the same girl. Her name is Lucy, and they both love Lucy. But Sidney is kind of a kind of a shifty character. And Charles is a kind of a goody-goody stand-up guy. And Sydney foolishly tells Lucy, you should not be with a person like me. And she says, I agree with you. I'm going to marry Charles. And so Charles is happy, and Lucy seems happy, but Sydney is sad. Um, but Charles and Lucy, as their life goes, things are pretty good, except there's a revolution going on. And Charles is brought back to Paris, where he is put on trial, and he uh, is... Um, uh, they decide that they're going to execute him at the guillotine. This seems like a great opportunity, right, for Sydney, right? We're going to get rid of choice number one, and so now Sydney's here. Hey, hey, Lucy, how you doing? All right, but uh, Sydney does not do that. Sydney, because he looks like Charles, puts on a disguise, sneaks into the the prison or, or whatever, and takes Charles's place. He takes Charles's place. He goes to the guillotine for him so that Charles and Lucy can be together. And he says at the end of the book, this is a far, far better thing than I have ever done. Isn't that amazing? This beautiful picture, right, of self-sacrificial love where you prefer somebody else more than yourself. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, uh, verse 34, you'll have to follow along in your, with your digital or your paper Bibles if you have them. Um, or uh, you could crowd around my computer screen up front if you really want to. But, uh, so, but the author says in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Right? And so maybe when the disciples heard this, they were a little surprised. They're like, what are you talking about? A new command. Right? We seem to recall in Leviticus that Moses told us that we are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
But as Jesus does, he takes it up to 11, right? He cranks it up. He says, you're not just supposed to love somebody as yourself. You're supposed to love one another as I have loved you. And what has Jesus just done? In this, earlier in this chapter, he had dinner with his disciples. He strips off his clothes, puts a towel around him, takes the posture, takes the position of a servant, and washes the feet of all of his disciples. To love like Jesus means to serve. Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas and go to the cross, submitting to the will of of the Father to die on a Roman cross, to be crucified for the sin of the whole world. Jesus says this is how you're supposed to love one another, to prefer them more than yourself, to love them more than you love your own life. And he says, if we do this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another, right? So we receive the love from Jesus, right? We, uh, we love him. We love one another. We prefer them more than ourselves. And it's by this act that we testify and bring glory to God. It's pretty awesome. And then, 20 or 30 years later, the same author that wrote the Gospel of John is writing to uh, these churches that he's overseeing. In the the first uh, letter of John that we have in the New Testament, 1 John 4, he is still bringing the same message. This message that Jesus gave him before he was crucified, love one another more than you love yourselves. He says this in chapter 4, verse 7 of 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. So here he's talking about Jesus' sacrificial death that brings us forgiveness of sins. right? His atoning sacrifice. And he closes with this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to. To love one another. The same message Jesus gave before he was crucified, the same message that John writes to the churches 20 or 30 years later, is the same message that God is speaking to us, that we are to love one another more than we love ourselves. We are supposed to follow Jesus' example. So how do, how do we do this? How do we, in 2018, love our neighbors, love our enemies, love our families, love our communi- communities in this way? Right? Because luckily, very few of us are going to have to actually give up our lives physically for another person, most likely. And that's good. Whoosh. But that does not get us off the hook of loving like Jesus loved. And so that is what we want to look at today. We want to, and for over the next few weeks, how do we love in our relationships the way that Jesus loved us? Right? Because this is the foundation. This is what defines us as Christians is self-giving love. It's how we are going to declare Jesus to the world. As, as Luke said, we were in Mexico a couple weeks ago, and many of you heard that uh, Roxanne Folly passed away uh, on that trip. It was a very 
tragic uh, moment as we were down there. But Roxanne is an incredible example uh, of this very principle. She, I was talking to her husband Tom, she got saved when she was 18 years old and she was 19. And she had uh, gone through a lot in her life, had a very difficult home life. There was, it was, life was hard for Roxanne. But when she met Jesus, when she started working at Boonsayer's Bakery in, in Kalamazoo, uh, she experienced a love that she had never experienced before. She stepped into a freedom and a liberty that she did not know was available. She received the, the forgiveness of, of God, and it radically transformed her life. And so she gave her life to to sowing out the same love that God had poured into her. And we saw this very clearly uh, in in Mexico as as she was praying for women at this uh, women's retreat and holding little Mexican babies and just blessing people everywhere that she went. And we heard these stories at the funeral and at the the luncheon. And if you're on Facebook... there, people were posting these stories, and there's this lady from Trenches Church up in Kalamazoo that, that I had never met before, but she wrote out this story on Facebook about how Roxanne had been there for her in one of the darkest periods of her life. And Roxanne just loved her and accepted her. And she said, for the last two years, Roxanne has called me every month to follow up with me and just to check on me and to see how I'm doing. And that was every week. Every week. And that is what Roxanne, and that was not an isolated event. This, she was ministering to people all over the place, people that many of us would overlook and kind of forget. But Roxanne, because she was forgiven much and received so much love, was so quick to pour out that love. She's an incredible example of self-giving love. And so we want to take that principle of, of Christ-like love, and we're going to apply it today to communication. Right? Because the reality is that every relationship is built on communication. So if we want to have a good relationship, we have to communicate well. I, I really like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Who doesn't, right? He's so great. His, I love Jumanji. And I haven't seen Skyscraper yet, but I imagine it's good. There's another movie that Joe told me to watch that I've not seen yet, and I'm going to. But I like, I like The Rock. Uh, he was going to run for president. I was very excited, but he's not going to. So, uh, But I've, I've, I've watched some interviews, and I follow him on Twitter. He's great. He's funny. Anyway, but I don't really have a relationship with Dwayne. Um, I know about him, but I don't have any relationship with him because we never have actually communicated. Crossing our fingers. Someday. But leading up to Mexico, I was, help, I was co-leading with Kathy Spaulding, who's on our teaching team. She was leading the trip, and for weeks prior to the, the trip, I talked to Kathy more than probably anybody that I've ever talked to. It was crazy. Uh, eventually, my phone sent me a pop-up that says, you talk to Kathy a lot. Do you want me to add her as your favorite? <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, so I sent her that picture. And I was like, apparently you and I talk more than Amber and I do. So, <laughs> uh, But Kathy and I, and so we talked a lot. We had a lot of communication leading up to the trip. And then we went through the trip and, you know, dealing with Roxanne's passing together. We have... An, a relationship that is deeper and more solid than, than I ever ex- expected because of our level of communication, right? So we need 
to have good communication if we are going to have good relationships. So how do we uh, apply this Christ-like love to communication? I want to look at three ways that we can practice this, okay? Oh, you guys can't see my great slides. Darn. Amber, I agree with you. <laughs> that, does, that is true. Amber says fix it. Let's try again. Praise, praise the Lamb, Amber. Amber's our new IT person. <laughs> okay. That's right. Always listen to your wife. <laughs> She's not on my favorites list, though. <laughs> she is. She definitely is on my favorites list. Okay. So how do we apply Christ-like love to our communication? Number one, we're going to have three points today, friends. Number one, we speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, Paul teaches, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Right? So I think that speaking the truth in love is a very concise statement of the goal of Christ-like communication. Right? But unfortunately, people often think that truth is more important than love. You know, it's my job to be the, the Christian police, right? To bring the, the truth, the, the hammer of truth, and break through this, this, this difficult community that we're in. Rawr. But truth needs to be wrapped in love in order for it to be effective, right? We need to make sure that all of our communication is wrapped and, and drenched in love so that people can receive it. In John 3, 16 and 17, we see that God sends Jesus to be uh, this uh, picture of an expression of his, his love and his salvation and not to condemn the world. Right? And so if we are going to follow Christ, if we are uh, you know, take up our cross and follow him, then we should, in, in our communication, it should never be condemning. Right? It, but it should be from a posture that is, that is based on and founded in love. Right? I want to, I, I, I have been in that place. I've been on social media. I have been with people where I just want to bring the truth and just, well, let me set you free with some truth right now, friends. Right? But what I have learned is that that is very ineffective. Right? It just throws up walls. And it brings division. Right? And so I want to be much quicker to, to love and build relationship with people, especially people that I disagree with. And just love them so that I can speak the truth, that I can speak correction if I need to. Right? But, but, but before I speak correction, I want to ask, do I have the relational capital for them to actually be able to receive this? Right? And Dale often says, Dale, let me see if I get this quote right. Truth discovered and obeyed is better than truth delivered. Is it real? It's, it's the better, isn't it? Yeah. What is the right word? More impacting. More impacting. All right. Well, second service, I'll change that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, truth discovered and obeyed is more impacting than truth 
delivered, right? So a lot of times we just want to, let me just bring the truth, and they just throw up their wall and it isn't effective. But if we can love on them and we can kind of slip the, the truth in when they know our, our love for them, you know, it's going to be so much more effective. So do we have the relational capital to speak correction? Have we taken the time to get to know someone and to love someone so that we have a greater capacity to speak into their lives? I have this uh, situation, normal situation, with my son, Josh. He's 18 years old now. And it seems like, as a parent, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I think I figured out what's going on. And then your kids move to another stage. And once again, you're thrown into, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. And we are in a new season, well, a little bit, a little while now, in this new season of not knowing what we're doing. And Josh is 18, and he's got a, a job, and he's in marching band. Uh, he's got a girlfriend, and he's got these friends. And so I normally am in bed before Josh gets home, and I usually am at work before Josh gets up. And so you don't see much of Josh, and, uh, and that's hard, right? As a parent, that's hard. And, but he's still my son, and he still has responsibilities, and so I have this list of things that I need him to do and I need to correct him on, right? And so I found that for a longer than I am willing to admit, that every time I saw Josh, it was like, you need to stop doing this, you need to start doing this, you forgot to do this, and it was our entire relationship. And I was like, this is bad, this is terrible. Like, I, like, I have, like, we're, like, that's not what I want our relationship to be. And so I have started, I just text him, right? I have to text my son and just go, I love you so much. You're doing such a good job, right? And just because I, I need to continue pouring that part of the relationship into him, right? I need to speak the, speak love. I have truth that I need to tell him. I have correction that I need to bring him, but I can't let that be the whole relationship. I need to found it. And there's sometimes where I'm like, I'm just annoyed with this kid. And, and so I'm like, what am I going to say? I just, I love you, bud. You're doing so good. Good job showing up for work every day and, and balancing this crazy life you have, right? And you're just looking for things. How do I express love to this kid? And uh, because my normal reaction is just to, I don't know why this is, just kind of, I want to distance myself. Like, I don't know what to do. It's easier. I'll just let him do his thing and I'll do my thing. Right? But I need to reach out. I need to lay a foundation of love. So that's number one. Speak the truth in love. And so the second thing we do if we want to apply Christ-like love to our communication is to watch your language. Watch your language. Right? Again, in the book of Ephesians, Paul continues and says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And this, these verses, which are just a couple verses after speaking the truth in love, they show us how we are to communicate. Right? 
uh, the, the previous verse kind of just talked about what we're supposed to communicate. We're supposed to communicate love, and we're supposed to communicate the truth wrapped and saturated in love. But this is how we're supposed to go about doing it. I really love Eugene Peterson, and I love the message translation. He says it this way. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. So make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. And so we see here that we're not to allow any communication come out of our lips that is corrupt or is cutting. Anything that is biting or hurtful or demeaning or foul or dirty. Right? No bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, or slander. How often is our communication include those things? Sometimes we're able to kind of pent it up inside, but it's often rolling around in my brain, right? In chapter 5, verse 4, Paul includes, you know, don't use obscene stories and foolish talk and coarse jokes. Be careful of the language that comes out of your mouth. It matters to God. It reveals your relationship with Jesus, right? In, in this verse, it seems to indicate that if you talk like that, you are grieving God. You are breaking his heart, right? And we don't want to do that. Instead, we're supposed to look for what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Is the communication, is the thing that we're saying, is the thing that we're posting on Facebook or Twitter, is it helpful? Is it beneficial for the person who is hearing it? Is it going to be received like a gift? Is the words that we're about to say going to be received like a gift to the person who's hearing it? And what I think Paul is getting at here is that if the result of our communication is not grace, if it is not packaged and received like a gift, then we have not communicated in a Christ-like way. So if we consider this before we just quickly spew out whatever is on our tongue, it might help us to go, oh, that's not a very helpful thing to say. That's not a good thing. That's not going to be received well. And we look for a time or we build more relational capital so that we can say that. When I was first saved, um, like 25 years ago or whatever, we were getting together uh, with a group of our church friends, and my brother and I, we thought, you know what, we'll just go to Applebee's and have a couple of pre-party drinks. And um, apparently we had a couple too many pre-party drinks, and we went to the party, and it was great. We had a good time. And the, the next day, the, the guy whose house we were at come, comes to my workplace. Oh, hey, Dave. And Dave says, hey, Mark, um, it seemed like last night 
you maybe had a little bit too much to, to drink before you came. I just, just wanted to see what's going on and, you know, see, you know, just, just talk to you about that. And at first, I was offended, right? I was like, who do you think you are to come and tell me how to live my life? And really, I was just embarrassed, right? And, but then I remembered who Dave was, right? Dave had been my friend for years. Dave loved me and cared about me. I knew that Dave wanted to see me flourish in, in my life and in my relationship with God. And he was not trying to manipulate me. He wasn't trying to control me. He was just saying, hey, Mark, here's something that seems to be, is this a problem? You know, and, and it was so good. I could receive that communication as a gift, even though it was hard. Right? And so we have to learn how to communicate graciously to people. We need to watch our language. A lot of times, opening up and sharing how we feel is a powerful way to, to show one another love. It's really, really good. But exploding in rage or mumbling complaints or holding a grudge is never going to impart grace. And so we want to quickly forgive so that we can give gifts of grace. All right? You with me? How do we apply Christ-like love to our communication? Number one, we speak the truth in love. Number two, we watch our language and don't go to parties drunk. And number three, that was a freebie. It's not, that's a freebie. Uh, number three, we learn to be quiet. This is an important one. We learn to be quiet. First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24 says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Right, and this verse is powerful right, because it focuses on Christ. While he's enduring the suffering and the shame of the cross, we can see how he communicated. Right? We, uh, and when we feel falsely accused, when we feel misrepresented, we can look to this verse and emulate Jesus in those situations. Right? How did he respond? How did he communicate when others were mistreating him? No deceit. No retaliation. No threats. Jesus knew when to be quiet in the face of his accusers. But instead of deceit and retaliation and threats, right, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I remember when I was, man, these are, a lot of, bad, of my bad communication stories are from when I was early saved. I don't know why they are this. Um, so I was, man, I was a young Christian. Pastor Ken was still pastoring Redemption Christian Assembly. Cameron was the associate pastor. And I was, I think I was an assistant manager at Little Caesars. Little Caesars on Cork Street, where my lovely wife and I met. Uh, and I worked there for, for many years. And eventually, PJ, which, who was a great manager, left and this new manager came. Her name was Charity. And I think I can say this. Charity was the worst. <laughs> she, uh, 
she was irritating and she was selfish and she didn't really know what she was doing and she would kind of take her emotions out on her employees and I would get so mad and and one day I'm working the the front counter it's a busy Friday night and I'm selling pizzas and Pastor Cameron comes in to pick up some pizzas for his family and I'm like Cameron you would not believe what I have to endure here at this place this let, let me tell you about this she's doing this and she's doing this and she's doing this and I just want to tell her this and I'm and he's like he's like well you know Mark what uh Paul said in, in Romans that uh, if, you, if, you love, if you love your enemy, then you are, in, in essence, heaping hot coals on their head. I'm like, oh, it says that? I was like, I like the idea of heaping hot coals on her head. Um, so I will do that, right? Um, that's a rough paraphrase of Romans uh, 12, 19, and 20. You could look that up yourself. Um, and so I was like, okay, I will, I will do that. And so I held my tongue. She would say something. I'd want to retaliate, right? I'd want to kind of prove that, no, you're not right. I'm right. And I want to do all these things. But I just held my tongue and just submitted. And eventually, and I just trusted God. And eventually she lost her job. She was a terrible manager. <laughs> and, and eventually, her bosses realized, oh, wait, she is running the store into the ground. And they, they got rid of her. I didn't have to do anything. Right? And so, just like, I mean, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, right? But Jesus is standing there, you know, being accused. And they're going to send him to the cross. And they're telling, you know, you're not the son of God. You know, they're kind of hurling insults. They're bringing different people to testify falsely against him. And he just stands there. He just trusts God. God's going to take care of this. And there are, certainly there are times to stand up. There are times when we need to stand up for ourselves. We're not supposed to be walking carpets. But what we're not supposed to do is just because of our ego, because of our selfishness, because we want to overcome power with power, right? Because we don't want to look weak or we don't want to look foolish. I'm going to stand up and say this piece and I'm going to put this person in her place. No, there's times when we just need to be quiet and trust that God is going to take care of us, that he's going to take care of the situation. We have to learn to die to ourselves in our communication. I'm not going to live my life out of my ego and selfishness and pride and desire to overcome power with power. And so those are the three things. Speak the truth in love. Watch your language and uh, learn to be quiet. So I th hopefully this is the takeaway. This is what you're taking away today is that relationships equal love. We have to have love to have good relationships. And Jesus called us to love like he loved, self-sacrificially, preferring our spouse, preferring our neighbor, preferring our kids, preferring our enemies before ourselves. And that's countercultural. That is hard. But that's what we've been called to do. In our relationships, if we want to have good and flourishing relationships, it means that we need to have good, healthy communication. Communication that emulates these three steps. Speaking the truth and love is everything that we're saying saturated and built on love. Are we watching our language? Are we using profane talk? Are we grumbling and angry and slandering and backbiting. No, we don't want any of that stuff, but we want to be forgiving and loving and gracious. 
And if we do that, I believe that we're all going to see our relationships grow and flourish. So just encourage you, let's just close our eyes for a moment. We're just going to conclude in a couple minutes here. And let's just ask the Lord, Lord, is there, is there somebody in my life that I need to communicate with better? Is there somebody who have I have been communicating in a not very Christ-like way? And for some of you, a picture or a, a name popped right into your brain. And so with that, that in mind, just go, God, how do you want me to repair this relationship? How can I start communicating the way you would communicate? I just want to encourage you today. If there's, if there's a way to do it today or if there's a way to do it this week, go to that person. Just ask forgiveness. Just repent. Say, I'm sorry for the way I've spoken, for the way I've treated this relationship. Thank you, Father. So, Father, we just thank you that you have communicated to us so clearly in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, that in him we see the perfect picture of you. And Lord, as we behold the glory of Jesus, would you transform us more and more into his image? Especially today, as it, as it applies to our communication. Help us to communicate, Lord Jesus, like you do. Help us to live lives of self-sacrificial love, the same that you have shown us. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.